I would like to, to talk with you about, if you want, of course, about death and life, maybe life and death, or if we prefer the correct narrative sense, maybe first death after life and after death and again, like something which is polycyclic, because I think that you have a, a good energy about these things. And your point of view uh, is very interesting for me. I'd love to. I'd love to discuss this. Okay. So you prefer death or life at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm nothing. So nothing, something, nothing would be more accurate for me than, than death, life, uh, or life, death, I guess. Okay. So... For example, do you imagine that life at the end is a death? Okay, just that. But imagine that you can say that life is dying and death is living. Is it possible for you? If we believe that death is a state and, or death is something and not the absence of something, then, then that would be an interesting hypothesis. It would be like saying that if I turn out this light here, that darkness is a thing as opposed to the absence of light. And I guess in my mind that I would generally be of the philosophy that uh, it's not light and dark, it's light and the absence of light. Uh, it's life in the absence of life. And so I see uh, life as the state and death as the absence of state, not a state in and of itself. Although I'm willing to go with it, something else could happen. There could be a return to energy, but I wouldn't see that as death in a traditional sense. Okay, so it will be strange for you to define uh, life with death? Um, no, it would be interesting. Okay, so imagine that we said all the time that we are mortals, okay? So uh, if you think that it's important, then you construct your life knowing that you are going to die, no? Yes. Uh, no, I construct my life knowing that I'm going to live. Uh, I until, will get to points, yeah. Okay, until what? So I, I, think I'm, and I, I think I mentioned this when we were together in Santorini. I, I do believe that we live two lives. Okay, so I think we all live two lives. We live a life before we start thinking that we're going to die, and a second life that begins the day we realize that we are. And I think that yes, the first part agree. of your life is, is exciting. You're, everything's amazing, and you don't actually give much thought to dying because dying is something that other people do. I think in the back of your mind, you're aware that it will happen, but it doesn't take any of your consciousness. And then one day you wake up. Uh, for me, it was probably just before, you know, after I turned 40, and you realize, wow, um, okay, so I'm dying. And I start thinking about this, and I start thinking about my life relative to uh, my days being somewhat numbered and what am I trying to do? I wouldn't say that I am living now, though, for death. I think I'm living mindful of death, if you can understand the difference there. Yes, sure, sure. But for me, the, the two steps of, or maybe the two lives, the first one is immortal and at the end is dying. And the second one, which, which starts with death, in fact, 
I mean with a conscience of death, at the end is not stopping at the end because it can be the next generation. I mean, you remember when I talk about the book and you are writing books before in the first life, maybe it was not so important to write a book, but uh, at the second life, it's very important because you have to, to keep in mind that you need to have a trace. Yes. But... So I've never thought about it the way that you've described it now, but I love it. I love the idea that the second life comes after a death because I actually do think there's a death of, I don't, I don't know what the right term is. I'm not sure if it's innocence or, but there is a death we go through that day you wake up and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm a dying person now. Um, actually, you've already died. You've been rebirthed because the, you now ceased to exist yeah. as the person who only had immortality. Um, so the, the immortal in you <laughs> died, which is weird because it's a conscious death of the immortal self, which is, is quite a weird paradigm to be in. One of the things that I think is interesting, though, is once we get there, we tend to get a lot more introspective when we start thinking about our legacy and things like this. And one of the mistakes we make is this is when we start mentoring people. And I think we make a mistake of trying to mentor people in their immortal life to start Correct. acting as if they had the lens of people in their mortal life. I think we need to allow them to, to live immortally then. And we must be a, afraid of mentor, getting mentorship, mentorship in this area too much, too early. Yes, uh, I mean also that, in fact, for the first life, we have to teach them how to die. This is a paradox because uh, immortality has to die to let life beginning. So your innocence, uh, I agree with the term, I, I like it. Uh, the innocence must stop uh, to begin a life of uh, righteous, you see, justice. Okay, can I debate you on this point? Yeah. Let, yeah let's, sure. let's explore this as an idea. So um, I think you said that we need to train the uh, immortal self on how to die. Yeah. I actually think that we need to train the mortal self how to mourn the loss of the of the previous person and to see it as a rebirth. Oh, My problem is the same for me. Well, yeah. perhaps, except the one happens after, the one happens before. My problem with teaching people how to, how, teaching them how to die, uh, teaching the immortal version of you, the younger, very innocent version of you that you're going to die is by very virtue of the fact that you teach them, you're bringing death forward. So the moment they understand that's happening, they have now died. They're not learning how to die. They have died. So the moment they believe it, and this is the, this is the tragedy, of course, of uh, youngsters realizing that they have cancer and things like this, is they have to accept the burden of the second life way earlier. They didn't get the gift of the first life for nearly as long as they should have done. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that's, I would never want to, I, I think the reason my parents, I know that my dad, so my mom and dad are 75. 
And as I'm in 47 years old and I, I think about it and I start thinking about death, I realize there's probably not a night that my father or mother don't go to sleep and wonder, am I, am I going to wake up in the morning? And I think that must be petrifying. They must be so scared. The gift that they're giving me is not letting me know, is not telling me that that's what, they, what I'm in for when I get older. That's the burden that I think later uh, uh, levels of the second life hold for younger people. And I think we owe, we owe it to people to, to lengthen that period of time. Okay, but I, I just want to, to show you this point. When I'm saying that we have to teach them how to die at the first step, it's only for the preparation of the next step. It's not the end. This is a continuity. There is a next step. So the next step is awakeness. And I mean, when we are talking about dying, is dying about selfish thoughts. The first part of this innocence is that we are immortal and I am alone. And at the end, with the second step, you are mortal, but you belong to the memory of mankind. The in the first part, the most important thing and person is you. In the second part, the most important thing is the others and mankind. So I agree completely. Okay. So when I told, because maybe uh, I was not so clear, when I told how to teach them to dying is to dying in society and to have a birth in mankind. Because if you think that the whole world, it's only your family, your children, your uh, uh, relatives, uh, at the end, even your siblings, uh, at the end is a very small world. And this small world have no trace all these guys have no trace in mankind. At the end of the process of the first part of this uh, polycyclical process, you, you get one point. You have to die to get resurrection. So, I, I mean, we're in 100% agreement of everything. And if I think of, well, if I think about my life, the high enjoyment state, the part of my life that was super enjoyable was the innocent, endless going on bit. But the part of the, the, seg, the life that's the most fulfilling and meaningful is definitely the second one. I'm doing much more important work. Uh, and you're absolutely right. In, in life one, I lived for myself. In life two, I lived for everybody else. Like I, I want to make an impact for people. Whereas in life one, I wanted to make an impact on people. And this shift that I've made in my mind um, only comes with the idea, I guess, and that's the gift, right? That's the gift of realizing we're dying, is realizing, wow, well, we want to make sure that we leave something behind. Uh, whether it's a feeling or a memory, or uh, we want people to have nice things to say on the second death. <laughs> but uh, just, just, just one point. Uh, you mentioned joy. I, I mean, for me, with... Uh 
terminology we adopt right now, life one has only happiness. Life two has joy. And happiness, you can't share it. Joy is a tool that you have to share it if you want to get also meta joy and let a trace, a legacy to the others. So, uh, you know, when you have, I know you have children and also parents, you know, there is a paradox. When uh, you have children, you always say that you are the previous. <laughs> and when you have parents, in fact, you are, you are the next. <laughs> yeah. With their death, uh, you said, oh, the next one will be me. Uh, I mean, you see, you have a winth, which is bigger than your life. But at the end, with this idea, you think that is shorter. For me, it's not just a problem of generation. You are not just one point between two points. Uh, there is a chain. There is a, a bifurcation. You are one point in a very big network. And the network is waiting for you to create ages and to have connection. So in Sandorini, I, I love the idea of connecting people, but I mean, we need more depth. When we are talking about connection, we are just talking about communication and not understanding. And, and I think that in the life too, understanding is more important than in life two, in life one, we have only communication. We communicate what are our feelings, but at the end of the process, it's only a monologue. When we are in life two, and I think you are already in life two, I mean, really, then it's very important to understand uh, the way of thinking of the others and we are doing right now even that because I mean I'm trying to understand what you mean exactly I think that you are you make the same thing but the problem is we don't know the goal and I mean that in life one to use your vocabulary is uh, there is only one goal happiness it's sufficient. In life too, you have to define your goal. And the definition, in fact, depends of the connection with the network of mankind. So <clears throat> the other way of seeing it, you know, uh, James Carse wrote that book, uh, Finite Versus Infinite Games. And yes, I um, remember you mentioned it. Yes, and, and, and in life one, you're playing an infinite game. So you're right. It's all about happiness and happiness and internal. And I loved, I mean, we should chat more about the difference between happiness and joy. I thought it was such an interesting concept and meta joy as well. But the, the, the idea that that's, that's what it is, because only when you get to the second life and you realize, you realize, oh, it's finite. Uh, and maybe that's partially because you, your innocence has died already. So you already have an understanding of the death of something. 
that now you realize that, okay, cool. Now there has to be something more that we're working towards. And that's where you try to create meaning and, and give joy. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's very, very true. Uh, I think there's a risk of the world that we live in right now is trying to get people to do that too early. And I think to some degree, the value of the joy you can give in life too correlates with the amount of happiness you received because you're kind of filling your tank, filling your brain with ideas. You're, you're growing, growing, growing to a point. You're, you know, I always say that if we take this to business, a lot of business mentors talk to youngsters, you know, 20-year-olds about work-life balance. This is a terrible idea for a 20-year-old. A 20-year-old yeah. has so much energy and drive and things that like they need to suck every bit of, you know, value they can for that from that selfish period. And in fact, I think what we should do, people, more people should have this conversation and understand that this is the happiness game part of their life for the joyful give part of their life that will come next. And I just think that not enough people have thought through this and they see that if we could move step two earlier, it would be better. But I actually think it would just be emptier because you, you are giving, but you have, you've, you've, you've not got, you've not put enough in to make the value of out valuable, if that makes any sense. Okay. Okay. Let's go a little bit further. In your first part, we, we have an infinite game, but do you have correction? In what way do you mean? Correction of your behavior of your life in life one. I just mean that maybe correction is not so important because the happiness is a very easy goal and very only selfish. In the second part, I mean your life too, correction maybe is impossible. So you have to think the act before. And I mean the life one is timeless. The life two is correlated to time. And I think that the joy you give to the others is correlated to time. You have a short time to do many things before You have an infinite time to do nothing. Yeah. And in the beginning, the, in the first life, your happiness, uh, selfishness equals happiness. In yeah. your second life, selfishness equals the absence of joy, which is a very weird thing that happens, right? This is, a, this is an inversion. It's almost a complete inversion yeah. of our understanding of happiness and joy. The other thing, just to go back to connection, is I think in the first life, You're, you're selfishly, greedily um, creating all the dots. In your second life, you're better at joining them. So that's when those relationships, I mean, and some of them become meaningful. But for me, I make more, I see a lot of relationships as transient and timeiest. And, you know, some of the people who are in my life early are not in my life later. And it's because the, the connection that I crave at this stage in my life is actually one of uh, receiving and giving joy, whereas uh, the, a lot of the relationships I was with in the first part of my life were other people who were on the same pursuit of happiness with me. So it was fun to do fun with them, fun to do happy with them. Yes. So we are next to the others in life one, but we are just dots. Yes. Yes. 
And on the other side, in life too, as we created ages, sometimes we created a double ages. The first age, only one, is only communication. The double ages are in fact what? Understanding. I mean, when I met you, uh, you were for me just a, a master of ceremony because it was your role. You see in Sandorini, I just mean that. But uh, for me, it was much more important to have a connection with a human being. And at that point, maybe it was possible at the table, not, not at the speech, because it was too formal. It was like a program, you see. But at the table, when we meet after again, uh, I understood that uh, there is something different. And we can have a double H, I mean, a deep connection to, to think about things. I mean, in life one, as we use this term, in life one, you never mention that other guys are trying to make ages on you. Mm. See? Because in fact, in this life, they are only dots. But in the second one, when you are trying to make ages, other guys are trying to do the same thing. And sometimes there is a double connection. And you can say that maybe your partners in this network of mankind, and the, there is a place in that for mentorship, are in fact guys like you who are creating only ages and they don't care about their dot, but only to make ages to connect two other dots with an intermediate. Yeah. Um, you know, when, so when, I... you, when you are doing coaching, okay, uh, I mean, you are coaching someone to do something, but with another one. So, in fact, you are a dot between two dots and you make a split the connection. Yeah, yeah. It's not only about you and the guy you are mentor. Yeah, well, in fact, and, and that's exactly it, right? But so one of the guys on that I, that I'm working with on the speaking program, he in his talk he actually talks about the mistake that we make when we're young, is that he says, you know, everybody thinks about connecting the dots, and he says, but you can only connect the dots that you've already made. So he spent his first life, his early life, making lots and lots and lots and lots of dots, and now a big part of his meta joy actually comes from making meaningful connections. His joy, and again, maybe just for people who, who listen, meta joy, I mean, when you said this concept to me, it blew my mind. The joy you get from other people's joy, that yeah. doesn't happen in the first life, right? No. I mean, it, it can happen in moments, but it's not the same. The joy you get from other people's joy, and in fact, the inverse as well, the pain you feel from other people's pain, that's a second life phenomenon in my mind. Yes, and yes I think, because there is a feedback. Yes, and I think the reason... So I talk a lot, like I'm a big board gamer. I've got over a thousand board games and card games. I'm obsessed with them. And there are two primary types of games that you can play. You can play... Games can fall into two major categories. They're either uh, competitive games or cooperative games. Yeah. Competitive games, the joy comes from 
the act of play together, but somebody wins. Okay, so it's the act of play together, but some, there'll be a winner and a loser at the end of it. In a cooperative game, the joy comes from the acts, or in the first one, it's more the thrill it comes from the play. In the second one, the thrill and the joy comes from winning or losing together. Bizarrely, in a cooperative game, we were playing a cooperative game together, and it was amazing, but we lost. We got eaten by the dragon at the end of it. That would still be joyous because we won and lost together, okay? I believe that the first part of my life, and this isn't a bad thing, but I think I was playing a competitive game. So my happiness came from playing the competitive game with my peers and friends who were also, uh, you know, trying to get ahead, trying to start their businesses, trying to, and the, 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 the victory conditions were very, make more money, buy cooler stuff. You know, I bought the, 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 the Porsche and the silly things that I thought that I needed that I realized, I mean, I kept it for 10 months and then I sold it because it's just, it was no happiness to me. Sure. The second part of my life was now the cooperative game. And my joy is richer because almost all the experiences I have are experiences I have together. You know, I travel as a speaker. And whenever I travel, I have this photograph. I put, this is my, my wife and my children and the animals. And this is my parents and my sisters. When I was a youngster, I did not take this photograph with me when I traveled. But in my 40s, I do. Because now I realize I'm part of a bigger game. And, and this all of a sudden matters to me so much more. So it goes with me uh, everywhere where, that I, where I am. And I think it's because of the cooperative game. Okay. So one remark about mathematics. You know, certainly John Nash and cooperative and non-cooperative game. In fact, you know that it's not a partition. You can put the games of one categories in the others. So for me, a non-cooperative game is only a lack of cooperation at a higher level. So imagine the following game. You have two players who are playing not go, don't worry, just chess. And two others playing also chess. Two and two. The rule will be the following. Who is going to win will be the following guy. Is the team who is going to lose quickly. So you have to play with the other guy and help him to win, win you. quicker. Yep. And if you do this before the others, the other team, you win. So imagine now that you don't know this and you are just sitting next to these two couples, okay? And you see what they are doing and you see one team, the one guy say, oh, I'm losing. The others say, yes, we did it. And the others <laughs> who is going to play for the winning, they say, oh, we lose. You will change your mind, I mean, For Nash, it's not John, John Feynman and Morgenstern with the non-cooperative games. It's also cooperative. But you know, uh, you can have a cooperation in a team, but you, you can have also a bad cooperation in a team. That's why we have Nash equilibrium or Pareto equilibrium. But I mean, 
the good point with Nash equilibrium is that even if you don't have a good cooperation, you will get this equilibrium. So if you reinterpret what you said before, in fact, the life one was just a non-conscious moves without acts because you don't know that there exists a life too. It's not that you are only antagonist. Is in fact, you don't know the, the game. You are antagonist at a tactical level, but you don't know the high strategy. And in this level, the, the lose of a tactical point can be something very good. And you know, because you played Go sometimes in a very short place, you can lose something and lose some stones. But in the big, in the 19 by 19, you will see that you have to lose these stones there to have a win outside because the win is only half point difference. So you don't care about that. You care about the big picture. So maybe the difference between life one and life two is the first one is only improvisation. And the second one is only playing with a scenario. So the, the term that I use, so I, I, I go to war. I, we spoke about this quite a bit because you, you obviously talk, talk about strategy. Uh, I, the talk I did the week before at MD House and MIT was on the death of strategy is because I believe that, in fact, what we require is a victory condition, a strategic destination more than a strategy. So I think what happens is in life one, because we've, you know, this is your immortal life. In your immortal life, there is a lack of a fixed finite victory condition. Yes. So the game is always um, circumstantial and it's always how am I performing against the person I'm looking at next, next to me. So it's very comparative based because again, it would be weird if, 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 you know, I look at a lot of entrepreneurs, they never compare themselves to Bill Gates because otherwise they would realize that's what I joke with them. I say in the Olympic games of being rich, you wouldn't even make the team, but that's okay. Cause they're not playing in that division. They're playing in the division way, way, way far down. Yeah. And so their, their, their value comes from comparison to those. But as I got into my second life, I realized I don't want to spend my time playing a game where I don't have a chance of being a significant player. So I realized that the sport of entrepreneurship that I played in my infinite life was no longer going to be fulfilling in the same way. So what I wanted to do is instead of scaling, and my entire team know this, we no longer have a, a, a rand-based or a dollar-based um target for the year we have uh, uh, how can we amplify our authority and how can we scale our thinking to people because that's the game that I'm interested in playing now so I think that it's a victory condition even if you go back to your original chess scenario the one person the observer they simply didn't know the game because they didn't understand the victory condition it is the understanding of a condition of victory that shapes almost all of our motives yes. and it's if we, if we lack, if I want to teach you any game, if I teach you any game like this game here, the only important thing that I have to teach you at the beginning of every explanation is how do you win? In the first life, oh, there oh, is oh, none oh, of that. Wait, wait, how I win or how I do not lose? Um, well, 
I guess it depends on, I mean, that would be interesting in a philosophical point of view, but in a, in a, in a game, at the end of this game, once we've played, because I will give you two, two, I have to give you two bits of information, a state under which the game will end. So let's call it the death of the game. Yeah. And then at the point of death of the game, who will have won and who will have lost? And the reason it's easier to talk generally about a victory condition. So if I'm teaching you this game, keep, I will teach you the victory condition. If I'm teaching you James Ernest's game Pairs, which is one of my favorite games, actually, then I'll teach you the loss condition because in the game of Pairs, there are up to 10 players and everybody wins except for one loser. So you're playing the game not to be the single loser, but bizarrely, there's more joy in the game of Pairs because it's, it's hilarious when one person loses. It's actually more fun when one person loses than when one person wins. Correct. Uh, because you're then all part of the winning group and even the loser has a bit of fun with it as well. So there I would tell you the loss condition, but here I would tell you the win condition. The irony is life is probably better defined by a loss condition than a victory condition because yeah. there's almost, there's fewer ways to lose than there are ways to win. And it's relative to the game you're playing. Yes, that's the point. So for me, Uh, just to reiterate what you said, uh, I mean, for the life one, there are many games and many comparisons. But in life two, for me at least, there is only one game and only one player. And this player is mankind. So the shock mm. for the human being is to say, oh, come on. At the end of the process, we are only one player. We are all partner. But in fact, there is only one. I mean, when we said mankind went to the moon, we don't mean just the 12 astronauts. We said mankind. Now we are preparing to go to Mars. The player is mankind. It's not just few astronauts. So the, the idea is if we are only dots in a networks and our role is only contribution to the scenario of only one player, do you want to be one of these contribution or not? That's my point. And I mean that the contribution can be in fact your legacy. You can say that At that moment, I put one stone. So imagine now uh, we don't have two players on a go ban. Each guy has only one stone. <laughs> and you can play only one time. And you can put your stone where, where you like. And at the end, we just see the colors. And I say, okay, so you put your stone, your white stone there. There is a reason? No, I don't care. I was free. Okay. But your freedom was dangerous because the one player, the white player, for example, is going to lose just because you do not understand that, that there is only one Goban and that all these stones, because you see that these stones are the same that the dots in life one and the connection is when on the Goban, you can connect your stones to do something, okay? 
a big dragon, because I know you love dragon. They said uh, big dragons don't die. We said this in, in Go, because it means that a big structure, it's impossible to die. But so when you put your, your, your dot, when you put your connection, when you put your stone, do you realize that in fact, there is only one player? That, that's the position for me for the awakeness is I'm only a contribution and I have a legacy in the spirit of mankind. And I'm not just alone because no man is an island. Right. So I love that and I, I buy into that. And I certainly think that that is a second life inference. Like you get to that when you're there. And, I, and in fact, I say that, but I think there's a lot of people who never get to that. And I think that's why they're unhappy. They're still trying to, they're still trying to play the first game after they're in the second one. They're, you know, yes. they're trying to, they're, they're, in fact, their joy, they're trying to relive the freedom and happiness of the first life instead of enjoying the joy of, and the meta joy of the second one. However, where, where it's not completely cooperative, even in a cooperative game, you and I, we sit down, we play a cooperative game. And even at the end of it, let's say, uh, you know, it's cooperative us versus the game. And, and we all play together and we win. However, I would like, I'll be driving home from the game and I would like to think that I took an action of significance. That if I'd only played one turn, if my placement of that stone on the board, I would like to be, because somebody, if you track back that game of Go, that, that universal game of Go that with only one player, then what happens is we see that every human is taking one turn. Some humans, Aristotle, you know, relative to where we were, um, the placement of that stone yeah was a placement of significance. Yes. And I correct. think where I want to be now, my selfish agenda, because I don't want to be an anonymous good player. My, selfish, my selfishness that I understand still exists, right? I want to do things for other people. But selfishly, I still understand that I would like to feel that when all is said and done and my turn has been played, that people will look back on that turn and say, that was an action of significance. And my fear is that it's, that it's unlikely to be because it's a very, very big board with lots and lots and lots and lots of stones. Yeah. And so that, that it's quite depressing for me when I think about the idea. So then what I have to do is look at the smaller pool, the smaller subboard of my family, my friends, my life, and the people I interact with, my connections, and realize, well, it's okay because I could be significant to them.